0: to all the lovers of the strange, the sky watchers of the night, hello citizens, and welcome to Unknown. Jason McClellan. I'm here with Maureen Ellsbury, Ryan Sprague, and Shane Heard today for our monthly UFO happy hour. Thanks for hanging out with us. So, guys, we're going to do what we try to do with these, these happy hour episodes, and that is just have fun and kind of talk about some of the things that have made news. During this this uh, month, we're recording this in January, so we're going to be talking about things that have made made news already early in this 2021 year. Um, so to start, let's talk about what flooded the headlines right away. Because at the end of the year, you know, we had this this massive COVID relief bill, is how it was billed. Uh, you know, to the public. Most of the, the reporting was about that because it contained things related to COVID relief. But it was really this just large omnibus spending bill for the end of the year. It had a bunch of stuff just crammed into it. And one of those things was that little piece that we'd been following for half the year, and that was about this uh, request for a report from the government, from government agencies, about UFO-related information. And so we saw this flood of headlines already this year about how that 180-day countdown has started. It has begun, so within 180 days, we could have this uh, report shedding all of the government's UFO secrets. Right, Ryan?
1: Absolutely, man. I have no doubt this is the disclosure we've been waiting for. For decades. It's finally happening. God bless Stephen Bassett. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I hope mean, you can uh, sense the uh, sarcasm in there. But, um, just, yeah, a yeah, yeah, bit, just a little bit.
0: Just a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, it's just so funny. I don't know why we still get surprised by this, but it is funny. Every time we have... Any sort of news like this that just generates countless headlines by media outlets around the world, something like this, where the majority of the headlines just completely misrepresent what is actually taking place. And we definitely saw that with this, just Mm -hmm. headline after headline, talking about how the countdown has started in 180 days. The government is going to reveal all of its secrets to the public. And that's obviously not true, first of all. Number one, it's silly to think they're revealing all of their secrets, because they're not going to reveal any secrets. That's, that's not the point of this, and that uh, is not how the government works. But number two, it's not in 180 days. It's within 180 days, and I think many of us suspect that that's going to be completed much sooner than 180 days from the start of that countdown. But then beyond that, it's not, they're not doing this out of the goodness of their hearts, they're not doing this as a show of good faith to just give the public everything it knows about UFOs. This is not a, a public benefit project. It's something for military purposes that is being conducted for the government to get a better understanding of their information sharing and the information they each individual agency or department might have. It's not putting this stuff together in a pleasant report to give to the public and that's what a lot of these headlines are are indicating or suggesting or or just outright saying is going to happen and that's just not the case
2: yeah and I, I think what you need to do is look at this. there's two good things about this. One is we're on the path forward to having a unified way to uh, these military organizations, government organizations uh, a standardized way to report and unify uh, reports on anomalous phenomenon. Great. Uh, that's a good start. Second, again, this is kind of the thing the media has been mis- uh, explaining, so to speak, as, as you mentioned, Jason, is this is an unclassified report. However, there is also an annex classified section. So Again, we see when uh, the government releases documents, and I know we'll get this into this uh, more in depth in our next point in this happy hour, uh, is that even when you have these big public sort of uh, unclassified reports, a lot of that is redacted information. So, again, are we going to get to have this big disclosure event? No, don't get your hopes up. Uh, it's exciting that it was crammed into this massive trillion-dollar, uh, multiple-trillion-dollar uh sort of relief bill that kind of just slid in there. Let's get this out of the way, too. But um honestly, yes, if it's a threat to our, our aerospace, it's, of course, important that we get this on track, but I feel like we have a hell of a lot more to worry about within this first 180 days of our new administration. So... I think everyone just needs to take a breath. Don't read too much into it, and and let's hopefully have this be a, a step in the right direction. But it's not going to be that that big event people are hoping for. It's the Y two K of UFO you information. Yeah, you you <laughs>
0: make a really good point about just the the timing of of all of this. And yes, there are many other pressing issues right now that I think are going to take priority over. You know, these different agencies and organizations compiling their UFO information and sharing it with each other for this report. Um, There are a lot of important things going on right now. And yes, UFOs are important, but, you know, people are dealing with the things we have here on Earth right now. And I think that's we're already seeing some of that stuff happen with, uh, you know, some personnel shifting happening with people being assigned different roles. So. Already, before a lot of this stuff is even starting, we're having shifting and changing happening with an already very small, possibly just couple people involved with the UAP task force specifically. Granted, they're, they're not the ones putting together this report and they're not the only ones involved in it. But with already that kind of movement happening, it could mean things are, are a little slower or less uh, forthcoming and, and as soon as we would like them to be. But to your point, you you brought up the unclassified part, Maureen, and and I mentioned uh, on the previous episode just what that means. You know, it's not not just a a flippant term they threw out there. Unclassified specifically means something, and it does not mean public. It doesn't mean that necessarily it's going to be available for the public. Granted, this stuff, you know, down the road, of course, through FOIA requests, um, unclassified stuff come out. But unclassified can't be released to the public unless it is authorized for that public release. Do I think that's going to happen? Yeah, probably. I think to some degree there will be a public release authorized on this unclassified report. But to just assume that's going to happen or to present this whole thing in a way that this is for the public, it's going to be a public report, That's just assuming facts, not in evidence.
2: Yeah. All the fun stuff will be hidden. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it will. It always
1: is, Maureen. And I think too, like, I know it's, this isn't directly the UAP task force, but, uh, when we, we've seen that this task force doesn't even have a budget that we're aware of. Right. So I do wonder even, you know, besides the bill and the, the 180 days for findings, um, What are we, are we going to get anything from this UAP task force? Because right now it looks like they don't have any money to even do it. Um, It's probably being allocated to other sections uh, where this bill was slipped in. So I wonder, you know, if we'll even get anything from the task force, let alone this, this Senate bill that was passed. Um, And I mean, I think we just need to keep applying pressure. I think that's what it comes down to. People like John Greenwald going for those FOIA requests is the only way we're going to get anything.
0: Well, and I would like to hope that maybe this will, because we have been at this point and similar points in the road, in the whole UFO process with the government many times before. And what I hope comes out of this is an accelerated sort of relearning what we've already learned and then moving to the next step because we have these these periods that go by where the government you know kind of scratches their head and goes, "Huh, we got to figure out these UFOs." Then they finally talk to each other, they finally look into it, and they get this information that they've had all along and you know shouldn't be going back and reinventing the wheel, but that's always what happens. Then they finally get back up to speed mm-hmm. again and then it kind of peter's out and nothing happens. So, I'm hoping yeah. that you know, there's enough momentum now that's generated by this that they will look through their boxes, they'll talk to the different groups, they'll put all their, their heads together, assess the current situation, and then move on to the next step without letting it die out and waste all their, their current efforts.
1: Yeah, efforts I think this is like just uh, a. Chris Mellon, too. You know, right. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt, Shane, But the efforts of the people who actually got this into the Senate Intelligence Committee and be like, yo, put some pressure on your agencies like stuff's going on. The public wants to know. So, I mean, they did so much to get that in there. Let's not just drop the ball now. Like, I think the public really needs to kind of take the reins at this point because we know the government's not going to. Like you said, they're going to make us wait it out until we forget about it.
3: Yeah, and I think this whole bill thing is really just a, a very much a baby step, and there's really two sides to it because really they could have submitted a bill that had no public reporting element to it. They could have still got a report and briefed Congress and you know various government agencies who had an interest, um, and not not disclosed anything. So there is there is two sides to it, but. Um, I found kinda of interesting some of the, the text of the bill that talks about, you know, the purpose of it and what their thinking is on it. And you kinda of gotta take them for their word on that, I think. You know, we're we're focused on UFOs and have been. These are people who probably have zero knowledge, you know, congressmen mm-hmm. and so forth, that um, you know, this will be dipping their toe in the water, but um, I like kind of some quotes here from there was a military.com article recently, and they said that lawmakers are concerned that there's no unified, comprehensive process within the federal government for collecting and analyzing intelligence on unidentified aerial phenomena, despite the potential threat, uh, which is why the sweeping report on all relevant information regarding UAPs is, is essential. And they want imp- information on UPA, UAPs that were found using, and this is what I thought was kind of interesting, geospatial intelligence, signals intelligence, human intelligence, measurement, and signal signature intelligence, regardless of which agency or service uh, collected the data. Right there gives you some insight about how pervasive UFO data is within the government and has been picked up or noticed on very varying intelligence capabilities. So they list they list some things here that I actually have not heard of. Um, you know, I was aware of the geospatial and the signals and the human, of course, but uh, measurement and signature intelligence, I'm not even sure what that is. Um, and so I think it's pretty fascinating. We are seeing something new and unique to a, to a slight degree, but I think it's just new because... They're really trying to educate just a whole new group of of lawmakers. But at the same time, they seem to be acquiescing to the pressure by the public to to have more information on this. So I don't know. They're probably going to be walking a fine line. They'll produce a report. We'll see what we get out of it. I by no means feel it's disclosure of any sort, (laughs) but it is a step in the right direction. So I think it's pretty fascinating, and I look forward to it. But, you know, certainly my uh, enthusiasm is quelled by the last 70 years of, um, you know, <laughs> the track record that they, they have of obfuscating this whole subject.
2: I will say, though, it kind of feels like they can't put the, the cat back in the bag, uh, that we've gotten to this point where the Internet and technology and, and what's happening is you can no longer hide this subject and that the government... Should or, or does have interest in it. There's, there's no going back now. So while things might not move in a fast pace, I don't think they have the liberty to be as secretive as they have in the past in terms of um, research or- organizations within the government. You know, I could be wrong, of course. I'm not saying that it, everything's going to be sunny going forward or that these programs won't, like Ryan said, they have no financing. So it's basically, I was kind of laughing because it reminded me of uh, Mulder and Scully in the basement. Uh, you know, kind of like, <laughs> here, we're going to cram you in this small back room in the basement. Uh, go look at your files uh, with, without much off. budget. Yeah. Except for they do, have, they do have that mm-hmm. nice travel budget. But, anyways, uh, <laughs> I I can see um, a more positive route forward in terms of of at least the government knowing that uh, the public's not going to shut up anymore.
0: And to your Maybe. point, Shane about about disclosure, I agree with you. I don't think this is any any sort of disclosure, and I think if anything, whether it's intentionally crafted this way or not, I think both based on the wording we've seen related to this report request and the uh, detailed uh, purpose behind it, it's just demonstrating and and showing that the government doesn't really know anything about UFOs. That, again, whether, whether that's intentional or not that's you know the narrative that they want to create by doing this they certainly could do that and they're doing a good job of it but on its face what this demonstrates is that they don't really have a lot of information they don't really understand the information they need more information because they're sort of operating blindly so that is basically them saying hey we don't we don't know about these ufos but we're trying to figure that out so whether or not that's true you know we don't know but they can certainly create that narrative going forward from this point
3: yeah absolutely and i was even thinking just i don't know how the report will be constructed and, and so forth but it's calling for a variety of governmental agencies to produce information on their ufo research right And
0: not all government agencies or agencies that you would think would be included. They're very specifically chosen. Yeah, it's interesting.
3: Yeah, yeah. So that I'm very curious about that because really for 70 years, we've all just been basically looking at the Air Force. And then only until a couple of years ago, oh, the Navy has a program? Well, what other organizations are we going to find out that have programs, research and study programs on UFOs? That in itself would be huge. You know, getting a grasp or an understanding of that, something that, that's been hidden from us for all this time. So, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be some information to glean from that report. Uh, you know, they're not probably going to say, oh, yeah, Oswell, Roswell's real and it happened just like everyone thinks. But, but we're going to get a lot of information that, you know, will help connect other dots, I guess is what I'm saying, through, throughout, yep. you know, uh, UFO research, hopefully.
0: Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. No, I'm optimistic. I think I, some uh, good stuff will come up. Yeah. Oh,
1: I was just going to add one thing on what you said of they don't know. Um, I spoke to Luis Elizondo like a week ago, and I asked him, I'm like, do you know who these people are on the UAP task force? And he was like, yeah, of course I do. And I'm like, all right, is there anything you can share? Like, And he's like, no, I mean, I'm not at liberty to discuss who it is. He's like, just, be, just know that they know who you all are. And I think he meant, you know, the UFO community, these people that are doing research and putting things out there. So I think that's kind of a sign that they are looking to us for information, whether they are making Mm. that visible to us or not. He did say, oh, yeah, I mean, some of these Twitter handles that just pop out of nowhere, I guarantee you it's them looking at the work all of you are doing. So I don't know if that was meant to make us all paranoid or what, but it does make me think, huh, yeah, maybe they don't, maybe they are starting from scratch, and they're going to the only people they know will have information, and that's people who've been looking at it for 70 plus years. So it gives me some hope that we still have a place in all of this, you know, when when kind of the oh, whole yeah. UFO narrative gets gobbled up by the Navy or the or the um, Defense Department, Um they are they're they're looking at what we are doing in the public as well, because ultimately they do have to answer to us some way somehow
0: you 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 say that like you think they really care
1: <laughs> that's a good point that's a good point I don't you think have they no do. reason
0: to tell you anything, and they don't care <laughs> if you're annoyed or pissed off at it at all so
1: <laughs> that's so true.
0: Let's move on to our, our next topic, something else that has made similar headlines. A lot of headlines, man. So many media outlets around the world have covered this. And this sort of ties in to the uh, UFO report request, and that is CIA UFO files. And there have been so many headlines lately saying that the CIA... Ahead of, its, ahead of the deadline of 180 days has decided to release all of its UFO files um, you know tying this in saying that uh, the CIA the recent news you've seen about CIA UFO files is anyway related to this U- UAP or UFO report and that is not the case it has nothing to do with it the CIA didn't recently release their UFO files CIA didn't do anything what did happen was researcher John Greenwald took a CD-ROM that he had acquired from the CIA and went through the painstaking process of taking each of those individual files and you know nearly three thousand pages worth of UFO files that were in random formats like like TIFF image formats and stuff, converted them to PDF and made them searchable. So what John did was take all these CIA files that had already been declassified, already been out for, for many years in cases, some, of them, some since the 90s. <clears throat> um, but he went through the process of making them so they're easy to go through, easy to search, um, presented them in a more user-friendly format. So huge thanks to John for that. No small task, but... Almost all of the reporting about this has been completely wrong,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think um John even mentioned in some of the interviews he did after this, like um, they make it incredibly difficult to search, so I think it's amazing because mm-hmm. you know you guys know as researchers, like we're looking for the most expedited way to find information, um, you know that doesn't mean Google search done, my research is over, but like. If you're looking for a certain thing from the DOD, like type in DOD, and now John's made it accessible. All files within the DOD will be right here. So I think that's awesome. But like you said, Jason, yeah, I mean, how many people came to you guys the day after all these headlines and were like, "Oh my God, the CIA released everything!" It's like, no, yeah. no, we, well, we've read, we've been reading these files for like ten years now.
2: Right. Again, and and John John does uh, you know always talk about the fact that the CIA, and, and they know what they're doing. They're trying to bury researchers in a ton of documents, and hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, they'll get bored and give up or get frustrated. Um, so in another problem with a lot of these documents is, is I know John mentioned in an interview, that the the old typewriter fonts make it really difficult sometimes to uh, read the lettering. So if you search UFO on on Black Vault, you're going to get a ton of documents that aren't actually UFO related. Um, But, you know, again, (laughs) like Ryan mentioned, a lot of these people who are not familiar with UFO subject in depth have, have, you know, reached out and and asked how big of a, a sort of is this a smoking gun or, or what have you? And, and no, and a lot of these documents are so heavily redacted that there's nothing to of note there except for you know maybe seeing uh, hints of evidence that there were was physical evidence of some kind that the government was looking at and that the government was interested in UFOs after they said they weren't after Project Blue Book and and a handful of other things, um, but you're not going to find uh, sort of information, the CIA admitting that that UFOs are extraterrestrial in nature. Like that, you're probably not going to find. You'd have to do a <laughs> hell of a lot of digging in these, in mm. uh, wordplay, I would say.
0: Yes. It, the, the thing with these f- files, it, I always roll my eyes when I see new things come out about the CIA UFO files or the FBI UFO files, because... Mm. You know, anytime there's any sort of movement or activity or anything related to these, there's always tons of headlines making it out to be this new thing that the FBI, wow, they they had an interest in UFOs. They have UFO files. This is like earth shattering news. First time we're hearing about this. But that's not the case. We've heard about it so many times before and both the CIA and the FBI love to play on this. You know, they've really, really milked it, milked these files for everything they, c- they can get. Um, we certainly saw it with the X-Files <laughs> revivals. You know, they would, they would <laughs> love to, you know, be cheeky with it on Twitter and post, hey, why don't you check out our real UFO files? And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they've had them on their website. The FBI has got its, got its uh, you know, the reading room and, and these places where, you know, the UFO files are some of their most, most popular searched uh, files in their databases. They've had this stuff available. Is it all all they have? No, certainly not. And John points that out too with the CIA. They've got their UFO files right on their website. You can go and search there. It's not very user-friendly. And he points out that, you know, what they have on their website is not all of their files. Allegedly, all of their files are what was on the CD-ROM that he has since put on the black ball. But even that... You know, there's no way of knowing if that's all their files, but according to the CIA, CIA, it is all of their UFO files. So we don't know, but the point is they've been out there available for the public for quite a long time. It's not something new, and it has nothing to do with the report currently being requested by the Senate.
1: One of the files was actually kind of interesting that John came across that I hadn't heard of Um So, I mean, there was some cool stuff to come out of it. At least we got some new stuff to look at. I mean, he found a file from the Assistant Deputy Director for Science and Technology um, who was shown something about UFOs, and um, he decided he would personally look into it. And after, he gave advice on how to move forward with these UFO files he was given. And um, that advice, of course, in the file is completely redacted. It looks like Stanton Friedman's worst nightmare. Everything's blacked out in it, but, um, cool, nonetheless, um, I found a file dug really, really deep for this one, um, and it came from 1954, and it was about a shortage of Coca-Cola bottles, um, and this was, (laughs) yep, yep, this came from the CIA, so, yeah, you're gonna type in UFO and get some weird stuff, not just about UFOs, there was a shortage of Coca-Cola bottles in 1954, August 4th, in case anyone was wondering.
0: You never know what you're going to find, Coca-Cola. but uh, yeah, I yeah. Love the Coca Cola. No, it, it's these, so these things are always so fascinating. Film. Yeah, it's, there's there's great reading yes. to be done in there. But I, I agree. I mean, we we rarely find you know anything that's super exciting in these mountain dumps of files. But they're interesting, interesting reading, and interesting to see what the CIA, what the FBI, what these different agencies. Deem worthy of keeping in their files. Like it's, it's, some of it's just completely random. You have no idea why they were involved in the first place. But uh, let's move on to our next story. And this one, you know, I'm I'm excited about for for a few different reasons. But the main reason is I am and have always been a big Robert Bigelow fan. And you probably saw the past week a lot of headlines about Robert Bigelow. And Robert Bigelow is a Multi-millionaire. He's not quite a billionaire. That's a common mistake. He's not a billionaire, but almost a billionaire, um, and he's probably not a billionaire because he spent so much of his personal fortune on space and on investigating UFOs and other paranormal topics. And you know, he uh, he is the head of Bigelow Aerospace, which is kind of at a standstill right now. But you know, before Bigelow Aerospace, he made his fortune. With in real estate in Las Vegas with Budget Suites of America and the whole point of him acquiring wealth was because he wanted to do this research of his personal interests. He wanted to do projects to take people into space and that's what he's spending his money doing. So, we're all pretty familiar with you know, his UFO history and how he's kind of been involved in seemingly every aspect of the UFO phenomenon. Um, and has sort of had his hand in every case, it seems, which is really interesting. But he's making news recently because he's not tap, uh, dipping his toe in the water of this particular topic. He's returning to the topic of sort of consciousness and looking at, you know, can we survive death? Does consciousness survive death? And... So, if you haven't read it, I highly encourage you to check out the New York Times article that Ralph Blumenthal wrote on January 21st. It is an awesome deep dive article into Robert Bigelow, kind of his history, how he got into all these weird subjects, all the things he's been, not all the things, but a lot of the things he's been a part of, how he's personally financed a lot of paranormal investigations and how currently he's offering nearly a million dollars if you can help him figure out how to survive death.
2: And I hope people aren't going out and actually, you know, experimenting, like trying to figure out how to survive death. Um, oh, I could no, see that leading no. <laughs> to very disastrous situations. Yeah. One thing I, f- I find interesting, too, um, and we know that Bigelow's already always had kind of um, this spiritual uh, consciousness sort of background in terms of of life after death and his wife he mentions in his interview with George had um, paranormal experiences with apparitions and, and, and things like that um, but I find it interesting this, the timing where Netflix just released uh, you know Leslie Kane's uh, the series based off of her book Surviving Death and now there's this Netflix series which I have to be honest I haven't seen it yet um, but it's all about you know experiences uh when people had near death experiences uh so it's very interesting that this has popped up within the same month that that show was released as well, so it's, it's always all connected yeah, yeah, like well it's interesting that this is gonna be a new fascinating realm for people, I think, and people are gonna get interested in the subject by yeah. via binging Netflix at home during a pandemic and uh all these other aspects. So,
0: yeah, I, Leslie is tied into this. She's one of the judges for this this contest that he's hosting. The right? essay
2: contest. Yep, yeah, yeah. Leslie's but, involved I, I think
1: with she's that. also a uh, she's also a member, right, on the new board of his. his I, believe, yes, I believe. Yes, she so. is. And she this is, is something yeah, again so that he's
0: go. been involved in. You know, decades ago, and you know he was involved in the research of Bud Hopkins. Um, You know, so a lot of these tie-ins, these are relationships and research that has been sort of ongoing and and working together for decades.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Maureen's right, too. Like, everyone's kind of looking at their mortality right now, I think, in the middle of a pandemic. And I I know for a fact, you know, the Netflix series had been in the works for a while, but they weren't Mm -hmm. sure when it was going to come out. So I'm sure, again, it's like with... The show Unidentified, and then the A-Tip story is coming out. It's all connected. All these people, they work together to find the right times to release these things. Right. That's marketing, and like that's what you do. So I, t- I completely understand that side of it. Um, Maureen, you brought up another good point, is Bigelow's wife. And I think she passed away this past year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So you have to wonder how much of that was an impetus for big to revisit this it's kind of morbid and and almost romantic in a way to think maybe you know this is why he's getting back into the afterlife game because he just lost the love of his life so um yeah. i don't know and he's, I had think to, he's had he's had to deal
0: cool. with death a lot you know he certainly had a, a son who committed suicide and then a grandson right. who committed suicide so you know i i get it yeah. there's a lot of personal reasons there you know i saw a lot of people well, not a lot of people, but some people giving him shit, you know, for wanting to explore this topic, thinking he's some just, just some uh, rich guy who's so arrogant, he wants to live forever, and that's not the case. I mean, I can't speak for Robert Bigelow, and certainly I know people who have worked for Robert Bigelow and don't have the most glowing review of the man, but when it comes to this topic, I, I don't see him as being this sort of ego-driven, wealthy individual who wants to live forever because he's so great, not at all. I think it has to do with these person, personal, uh, you know, family issues and wanting to know if there's more, what comes next, where, where, where are my loved ones, and, and can I possibly reach them?
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and, I mean, and a lot of his early research had to do with consciousness too. Yeah. Right. With NIDs yeah. and everything. So yeah. I mean, why not use what you maybe learned from that and explore other avenues, especially if it's UFOs and consciousness. You know, like yeah. maybe there's a connection. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It's like there. Yeah. Well, the, all of those or consciousness has been you know kind of in the public view for a while in in both the fields of UFOs, you know, standalone or NDEs, and and then even Skinwalker Ranch. Um and so it's to me it's just kind of a natural progression right paranormal yeah. UFOs near death experiences all of those things there's there's some you get a sense that there's some kind of connectivity to them and and I I know that you know people are thinking that that's consciousness so um to me it's it's um you know kind of the natural progression where things are are going um in multiple fields and it, it's a big topic of study and even if you even consider maybe even quantum uh, physics and mechanics and stuff, there's some weirdness there in relationship that that you know is going down that consciousness path. So I think it's really kind of a new, expanding kind of uh, you know discipline.
2: Yep, yeah, absolutely. I think it's very much linked to you know he discusses his time on Skinwalker Ranch and, and you know ultimately why he sold the ranch and. And I believe he used the phrase that that he got bored and tired of not having the right answers, you know, sort of appear to him. And I think that is also why he tends to, on these big questions, and Jason and I for sure 100% know that sometimes people try to, I'm thinking of our... um Philadelphia UFO event um, weekend where a bunch of UFO researchers were privately flown out to this whole weekend extravaganza, um, and we were asked to fill out essay questions on what we believed all these answers to some very important UFO and and Earth questions are, and sort of trying to get the answers from a hive. Uh, sort of an intelligence hive and offering large sums of money or, or sort of other perks to try to get people to reveal what they know. And if you have a ton of money and you're someone who, you know, I, I can't wait around for 20 years to find the answer to this question. So I'm going to make this really appealing to the public. I'm going to offer nearly a million dollars. If somebody... If people can give me the answers I'm seeking, and if not, then I'm maybe going to get sidetracked and go into a different field of study, yeah. see if I can answer that mm-hmm. sort of question. Yeah.
0: No, I, I love I love rich people who do this, right? I mean, we talk about rich people <laughs> yeah. like, like Elon Musk all the time who, you know, got to applaud these, these rich people who take their money and use it to try to answer Deep questions, or to better humanity, or things like that, rather than just buying another yacht, um, you know. So I love that Robert Bigelow <laughs> spends his money. And he certainly has spent an absolute fortune on these paranormal topics. And although I find this conscious, consciousness stuff interesting, it's it's Bigelow's lifelong, you know, decades long uh, journey into the paranormal into UFOs, all of this stuff that I would just die being able to have a conversation, open off the record conversation with him about all of this stuff, the things that he's learned, the things that he's been involved in. And I hope, and I don't think this is in his wheelhouse or, or even something he's thinking about, but I would love to read a Robert Bigelow book about his journey through the exploration of the Mm -hmm. weird, because I think he's got a story like nobody else. Um, I don't think a lot of people realize just how involved he has been in UFOs for so many decades. I mean, he was actively involved with Stanton Friedman in the early Roswell research. Um, You know, he's had his hand probably in most of the cases that people know about. Uh, You know, he certainly did a a big part of the investigation into uh, the Colaris incident in uh, 79 or whenever that was. Um, He's just, he's had his hand in a little bit of everything that we're familiar with in the UFO community. And, you know, some might step back and, and get conspiratorial and wonder why that is. But on the other hand... He's a guy who's got the means and the interest. This is his passion. This is his interest. And he has been able to insert himself and be involved and try to find answers for so many years. I would just love to read a book sort of and, walking through this crazy life that he's had exploring the strange.
2: I think it'd be really interesting to have yep. a, a chapter. I know he touches uh, on this a little bit in the interview, but we've also met and spoken with a lot of people. Um, on our skinwalker debrief podcast uh and a lot of the information that uh bigelow mentions the hitchhiker phenomenon mm. and uh, that things with around people yeah. he knew um started happening after leaving skinwalker ranch uh anomalous phenomenon and uh a lot of people researchers w- that were there and he said he was more scared for for sort of the fear people had after leaving and the experiences that they were having. And I can tell you that a lot of the stories regarding uh, the hitchhiker phenomenon from Skinwalker Ranch, people didn't want to talk about live on the air. So we had a lot of that information shared uh, off the recording. Um, But it's very interesting. People are very uh, private about these hitchhiker experiences they've had post-Skinwalker Ranch, right. and it's happened to so many people that I think it'd be really interesting to to dive into that further. And I think that, I mean, that's probably linked in the whole consciousness thing as well. It's, it's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. What comes goes yeah, around goes around in a weird circle.
1: I have to um, applaud uh, George Knapp on these interviews. It was yeah. clear that Bigelow probably approved these because it was going to promote his new study and organization and everything because it kept tying back to that um but at the same time i think george did a good job of really trying to cover everything up until then you know and getting some stuff and i Mm -hmm. the skinwalker mini interview was i think the most interesting to me to be honest like the hitchhiker phenomenon maureen you mentioned and also that like skinwalker ranch was just a tiny portion of the phenomenon i mean that that kind of blew my mind he was saying like oh no Every ranch in that basin and everything was experiencing stuff. Yeah, local law enforcement and this. So, like this, this one Skinwalker Ranch is only a small portion of it, and you don't really hear about that that often when it comes to it uh, because we want to put it all on Skinwalker Ranch because mm-hmm. it's such a sound bite. But um,
2: the, yeah, it there's was, a lot of conflicting the reports. Were really cool. Yeah, there's yeah. conflicting reports about that, and some people say that. Um, lot of the neighbors and who knows if they're then just trying to be more private but um there's people that say no we've never seen anything strange around this area and then you have the reports that say like no there's a ton of activity happening and and everyone's seeing stuff so it's it's kind of hard to to know which is which and yeah i think that area in general it's not like it's a fenced off piece of property mm-hmm. only that is having this experience, yeah. it has to be right. regional in that area, so yeah. um but yeah, who knows I think there's a lot of mystery still behind it, even though there's been a lot of exploration into it as well,
0: yeah, you mentioned skinwalker ranch the the yeah. show um, and the second season of that is coming soon, but there i I suspect there are going to be quite a lot of ufo tv programs this year Um, there always are but i I think this year is going to also be another ufo heavy year in terms of programming um and you know this growth of every production company every network wanting to have their own digital network it it just won't stop so you know we're getting new ones Mm -hmm. it seems like every week and Discovery Plus is one that just recently rolled out and we've got a new show on Discovery Plus called UFO Witness and that's with uh, Ben Hansen and former Project Blue Book investigator Jenny Ziedman and this show I mean although it just started this month it's already halfway over i think four four episodes have already hmm. already aired but at the digital platform so you know that kind of means different things but have any of you guys checked out UFO Witness yet uh
1: yeah, I mean, I know Shane and I have seen a few of the screeners and whatnot. Um, I, I've i seen the first six episodes so far, um, and it's, it's interesting. You know, like you mentioned with um, Jenny Ziedman, it's so cool to see a former Blue Book investigator still alive yeah. talking about, like, these files that haven't really seen the light of day in decades. So um, I, I think it's really cool they got um, Ben to do the show. He's the perfect person for a show like this to dig into old files and see how they can connect to modern day UFO cases and phenomenon. And, um, and they also got Mark O'Connell, the guy who wrote the the biography on J. Allen Hynek. I mean, who knows Hynek and those files better than Mark. So yeah. um, it's pretty cool to see Ben kind of go to these two experts, you know, and um, get the lay of the land and then yeah. go investigate it himself. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the show is interesting. Um, I, I'm going to be talking to Ben next week about it, actually, but um, we are the biggest critics when these shows come out, and I will say there's some questionable stuff, and people in the show, um, Richard Doty being one of them, uh, Lauren Eisenhower being another one, two very controversial people in the UFO field, so to see them in the show kind of um, gave me some pause so i'm 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 interested to talk to Ben about that and what he thinks about some of these areas they explored in the show but um it's cool it it's 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 a uFO show that's really all I can say it's a show about uFOs yeah.
3: yep <laughs> what do you think no ben? I agree it, it was fine yeah it was good and um I, I I thought that was really great to have um uh Jenny Ziedman in that and and just that that connection of Blue book and and actually her her perspective and you could tell her attitude about these cases and some of the information in there and it it wasn't what I expected from a blue book investigator she she was fairly pro on 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 these cases that they had selected so I thought that was kind of interesting and of course have a Mark there as well and um, you know even some of the other stuff that they showed there are just some little different looks at the cases that, you know, just from a slightly different perspective, I thought that was different, but I don't want to spoil it for people, but Mm -hmm. I mean, it's worth the watch. And, you know, I'm very supportive of Ben and he does a great job and it has that kind of what looks like a popular format now for these UFO shows where you have an investigator that, you know, goes from a, you know, I don't know, from their bunker, their, their office type thing. And then they go out, you know to different locations and different people and talk to them and i mean it's it's good it's you know it's visually good and and uh but yeah there were uh you i think you guys know how big a fan i am of richard Doty, so that was that's kind of a bum, <laughs> bummer but but at any rate you know i know uh you know there's production companies that have a say so and others so yeah you can't completely control that whole whole thing but yeah, I recommend it. It's worth watching. And like you said, Jason, man, there's there's just going to be a whole spate of new UFO shows coming on. And and I, I've, I'm i always of the mind that, look, I don't care. A UFO show is a good thing because it, it still advertises it, gets it in the public consciousness. And, and you know, like with anything, you have to sh- wade through some of
0: the BS,
3: you know, but there's still some gems in there and good information. So...
0: I think there's it's another, still, you know, there's another new show on sure. history called uh, "The Proof Is Out There," and I've only caught, mm-hmm. I think, I only caught a couple episodes of that so far. But I like that show, you know. I I love it. I don't Who know is, why. Who's the lead in yeah. that again? I don't remember Tony his Harris. name. He, he's some. He's a rep-
3: he's a journal- journalist. Oh yeah. yeah, he's a journalist. He's, great. he's not not a not a UFO guy at all, as far as I can tell. Um, yeah. Which is kind of a cool aspect to it because you yep. get this perspective of, you know, fairly objective.
0: Yeah, I, I'm so happy I've you bring that one it. up, Jason. Yeah, it's I've really enjoyed good. it. Um, and you know, they, I mean, they've
1: debunked so much, which I think yeah. is unlike most of these shows. You know, right. they're willing to go mm-hmm. there and be like, "No, nah, that's fake." And they mm-hmm. have some really good people on there. I
0: kudos I to mean, that. they've they've got Mark on there, and I'm so happy about that. Mark D'Antonio, <laughs> uh from Move On, the, the chief. Photo and video guy from Mufon. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, Shane, aren't you number two next to next to Mark in that department?
3: <laughs> oh no! Oh no! No, I'm <laughs> I'm just one of many. But I've one of I worked with okay. Mark and yeah, yeah, and he he's he's he is awesome. And yeah. um, you know, he's got a new telescope. He's sitting up here in Arizona. Yeah, and so that's been fun. And and uh, uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But stuff. I, I I do like that Are you show. I, of I like on. shows I like shows like that because you know we uh, you know and and you and me especially, Maureen, you know we spent years and years and years at our full time job analyzing photo and video, and so this type of show where they show a photo or sh- show a video, they show footage of something paranormal and then try to analyze it and determine if it's legit or you know has signs of a hoax or whatever. um you know, that's just something that we did as part of our regular job. So when I watch these videos, it's, it's super fun to me. I love that process going through and like trying to analyze something, trying to come up with, with logical explanations, um, looking at the, the problems with it, like in how the, the people recording the videos are acting, what's going on in the scene. And they, they go through some of that on the show and it's, it's so fun to see, Um, you know, and, and with a show like this, I, I mean, I, I spend more time talking to the TV than I do with most shows because I'm shouting out my answer and yelling at them to say something else. Why aren't you looking at this aspect of it? And then Mark comes in and brings up the points that I was yelling at the TV, but it's a fun process to go through. I think they do a pretty good job.
2: Damn it. You, I mean, th- this is my yeah, problem for you guys. Do you, do you know how much money I'm spending on streaming services already? <laughs> <And> <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. And and know. then, it, you know, yeah. now we have discovery plus and all these networks that keep launching their own and, and, and maybe it's only six or seven bucks a month, it but add that on to like it 12 other $15 a month. Yeah, yeah, su- a subscriptions. <laughs> like I might as well have like a, Satellite a uh, paying satellite prices. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> With a lot of these shows, you know,
0: even though I really want to see them, I don't sign up at the beginning to see them. I wait till all the episodes are out so that's I can sign up for the it. free trial and then binge it.
2: Yeah, I already there signed up go. for the free trial on Discovery Working Plus, it. and then I forgot to watch anything on it. So Aww. yeah, Aww. kind of blew yep, it. Yep,
0: I've wasted a few of those too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So another another history. Well, that's show. the other thing. You guys caught con. this. Yeah, exactly. That's right, Shane. Um yeah. I don't know if you guys caught this. Um this isn't really that new anymore, but the Lawrence Fishburne uh hosted show on History called History's Greatest Mysteries, they did that three-part Roswell special. And yeah. you know, I I saw, you know, a fair amount of of kind of poo-pooing this show because, you know, that's that's the hip thing to do with anything Roswell, you know. Who cares about Roswell? Roswell's old, been there, done that, let's move on. Why are we talking about Roswell? However, I gave this show a chance and it was really cool because it focused specifically on the Marcel family. And, you know, this mm-hmm. this introduction of a, a diary, a journal of sorts that Jesse Marcel Sr. kept with, the, with his, uh, you know, important possessions passed on to his family. Um, and that's just a small part of what this this special does, this three-part special. It really does a great job going through and tracking down and speaking to other members of the extended Marcel family and other members of the extended family of people who Jesse Marcel worked closely with and could potentially be the, the author of this, this journal um, that was in his possession. But it goes through a lot of interesting angles that haven't been gone down before with the Roswell case. And just getting to see those in-person uh, conversations with these family members, it's really fascinating, especially if you're familiar at all with, with the Marcel story and how uh, crucial of a part that plays in the whole Roswell story. It's it's really cool. I thought they did a really good job with it.
3: Yeah, I, mean, I thought some I, I thought of the science that they applied to it was awesome.
1: Yes, exactly. like they Shadia. they had yeah
3: the yeah they had the handwriting analyst they had uh, the the cipher decoder they you know um, they they really just brought in really interesting stuff. You know, again, I think the guy the lead in it is a, you know, investigative journalist and, you know, it just had all these different people you've not seen before and processes you haven't really seen much of uh, in all of these programs. So I thought that was really fascinating too. Yeah. He was a former CIA guy. Sorry, Ryan.
1: It was by far the most comprehensive, I think, overview of Roswell to date. Um, And, yeah, I interviewed Ben uh, a couple weeks before the show came out, and I didn't know what to make of the guy, like, former CIA op and everything, like, what's your agenda with all this, but um, once he came on with um, Denise Marcel and and really dug into the case, like, I was was really impressed, again, like, I've been there, done that, like, Roswell's been done to death, and there's, like, I, I try to not look at Roswell as much as possible, but... This three-part series was. I I would I would argue it is probably the best overview of Roswell that's been made probably like to date. So um, maybe that's um, maybe I'm saying a lot, but I highly recommend that 3 parter They're like an okay, hour wh- long each or something too. Wh-
2: what is the name of this show? Yeah. I haven't seen it. It's um, called
0: History's Greatest Mysteries. We- is the name so- of the show History's Greatest Mysteries, hosted by Lawrence Fishburne. It's on History. And All it's right. like episode five, six, and seven, I want to say. I'm not sure. Yeah, but, something like okay. that. Mm-hmm.
2: Damn, I got a lot of stuff to yeah. catch up on. <laughs> I, <and laughs> I think those so yeah, those are long. It's
3: I think hard to
0: keep yeah. up with it. I think they're an hour Same. and a half each, or something like that. It it is quite a, a little mini series there, uh, yeah. but they do mm-hmm. they do a really good job. They do a lot of data. And speaking about like government agencies and sharing UFO data, I wish some of these these TV shows would do that. And that's never going to happen. I mean, this is all proprietary. They want that stuff locked down so they can make money off of it. But talking about this specific show, I mean, think about. All the data gathering they did, the ground penetrating radar, all of that shit they did to like map the Mm -hmm. the debris field and, you know, determine, you know, hard and soft areas and where things were returning from the surface to determine if something was buried there. You know, they mentioned that possibly something neoprene was buried in a spot. Go out and dig that shit up. I mean, there's just so much mm-hmm. there with the information that they gathered and probably spent a lot of money gathering it, it would be great. And I know other shows have done similar things and you know, doing these aerial surveys and just all of this comparative data, being able to share that, that would be amazing for subsequent uh investigations to go out, build on that data yeah. and take it further.
2: I think as long yeah. as it's like they're you know, the production company is finding and using um, unbiased, uh, credible labs and and services for these surveys. And like, you know, a lot of times we know production companies take short corners on that stuff. So it may right. be they're, they're showing the data that looks really interesting, but yeah. they're pushing an aspect of it that is not as big as they're making it out to seem and we know that happens a lot and especially with uh doing the uh sort of as they say boots on the ground investigation of different sites and so yeah that'd be great if if they would present it but i can tell you there's probably reasons they they don't want to and it's because of those short corners
0: yep and you got to yeah. make it look good for TV mm. but I, I wish you know for yeah. research sake, they could present that stuff on the show, especially with testing of like metal and things like that, say what testing specifically was done or what limitations they had when trying to do that and what other things would be needed to get any more data out of that specific sample um, you know Maureen you'll, you'll Enjoy this. They they do go visit Chuck Wade in this miniseries, and Chuck pulls out his you know big collection of interesting looking materials, and he lets uh, Ben take some samples. And they say that they tested him, but you know couldn't really determine anything. That's nice, but I want more information. Right. When they say things like that, they just like brush right. over that. Or w- what testing was done? Mm-hmm. What specifically was determined with the test you did? But that's just kind of like brushed to the side as a big nothing. But I did learn something and I'm embarrassed to say this because it means I didn't pay attention to the hundred or two hundred <laughs> times Chuck was uh, in our offices all those years ago. But his family is actually the ones who owned the bar, Wade's bar in Corona where Mac Brazel brought the material first on July 4th, when he was showing it off to people and trying to get their take on what to do with it. So Wade's bar, it was his, his dad's bar. Uh, I didn't know that.
2: that that's awesome. Uh, so for people listening, um, Chuck Wade uh, lives in Corona, New Mexico and uh, has a whole collection of, of different materials he has acquired from uh, the crash site at Corona and uh, and he brings them with him everywhere. Um, you know, we've met him many times over the years, uh, both both coming into our office to show us these materials as well as at the International UFO Congress that we ran for, uh, what, upwards of almost eight, nine years or something. Something like uh, that. And so we've seen all these materials many times. When you're in an environment like that being approached with... Uh, with those kind of materials, sometimes you're not capable of analyzing on the spot and, or uh, sort of understanding if they're important or not when you Mm -hmm. have people presenting them very frenetically sometimes. Um, So it's interesting. I'm glad that, that a a show has, has gone out and, and Ben was able to, to talk with Chuck. I know Ben's met him many times at the Congress as well. So that's, I haven't heard that name in a long time.
0: <laughs> I hadn't either. I, you know, I hadn't seen anything about Chuck for the longest time, but there he was on the show. And I was all, huh, I wonder if they're going to do something with Chuck's medals. And they did, so. Did. But it, um, it didn't materialize, Jason, so. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, To add on to the, that whole aspect of, like, production companies and, like, what they have in their possession that UFO researchers would yeah. kill for. I mean, um... Like, I, I wrestled for almost a year in getting all of the uh, the data from the materials I had tested of Frank Kimbler's, mm-hmm. um, which is mm-hmm. amazing,
2: yeah. and
1: thank God Frank had more of these materials to get tested afterwards, because yeah. I fought for, like, a year to get all of the results. Um, but on a separate note, um, I recently spoke to the guy who produced the Unidentified show, and, you know, he's... He said specifically like hundreds of military witnesses came to them with stories mm-hmm. for unidentified and they could only wow. put on like two or three yeah. people every episode. So there's, so my, my obvious question is, well, what about all those reports like of military yeah. witnesses seeing UFOs? Where did those go? And he's like, that's a really good question. I'm and, like you have no idea how much we would kill for all of those. Well, so the I unfortunate, actually, the, the unfortunate actually, um, reality,
0: I think, is that with these, I mean, certainly on a production company level, you know, when they do anything, pretty sure they sign the rights over ev- absolutely everything to the network, exactly. whatever network is, yeah. is attached. But the network, you know, we had the same problem with with the government too, and UFO files. Um, but uh, you know, even even more dramatically so, where. Mm-hmm. Network executives change like all the time, like more frequently than I change my, my sheets, and I change my sheets all the time. But, you know, their, their turnover is huge. You have people with, with different priorities, different uh, feelings on different projects. But they also, I don't think, are set up to be this warehouse for just terabytes and terabytes of footage for each show that they, they buy um, and then don't use. Right, I think they have yeah. limited resources. So when a show's done, a lot of that's probably getting dumped, which is right. a tremendous shame. Because, like you said, with that, you know, when you have interviews, when you have science that's done, this research where you hire these companies to come out and do ground penetrating radar and create all sorts of maps and things of terrain, I, I'm guessing, unfortunately, a lot of this stuff is just getting deleted when the project is done.
2: Smart it's, rate. it's that in sucks. the, be terrible. it's in the Gmail inboxes of casting producers. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll she, notice she's that, right. that she's right. I am. Yeah. So, so you'll notice, um, anybody that's ever been contacted by, uh, a potential TV show, the email you're going to get is from a personal email. Usually sometimes the production companies, uh, Legit email because so many of these these people that are doing the casting and the research for these shows, story producers, are contract workers. Yep. So generally, they'll reach out on their personal emails unless they are a full time employee of the production company, um, and they're asking for material to be sent to their personal emails unless there's like a, a form or something. So yeah. yeah, a lot of these conversations are in freelancers personal gmail accounts or right god forbid somebody had a hotmail address i don't think i'd answer it
1: (laughs) i still have one but um yeah (laughs) but well to to play off of that maureen um to kind of wrap that part up um i got in touch with the casting person and i'm gonna have a meeting with them about the protocol like what happens to this these are military witness reports that we would kill to have in the UFO field. Um, So hopefully Mm -hmm. something will come of it. But like you said, my biggest fear is that it's just delete, 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 and we'll never hear about it again. So um, I'll keep you guys posted, but maybe we'll have some new military cases to look at in the near future.
2: I feel like those are going to be sat on. Those particular cases are going to be sat on because they're going to think we could use these in the future. Um, This is a very hot topic right now. It is, well, and that was my biggest
0: fear. Yeah, and we'll have to see what what happens with history going forward, right? Because I think I think right now they're their hyper focus on UFOs, um, you know, is kind of questionable. Uh, with the recent passing of Kevin Burns, um, you know, he was their their driving force between uh, or behind all the UFO content. Um, he's no longer there, so. You know, we'll have to wait and see what happens. But as of right now, history is still putting out UFO content, and they like to repurpose their content like every network likes to. So, you know, some of that stuff that was created for Unidentified, you know, gets repurposed and used on ancient aliens. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of go back and forth, and, and uh, you know, they have that very incestuous relationship with, with all the, the products that they own. They will just repurpose material and use that. Um, I can't tell yeah, you Jason, how many different shows I've you've been, been on. In,
2: from, you've been on some uh, yeah, shows. Do.
0: Yeah, yeah. They just yeah. Re- repackage it um, in a different way and use it on a different show. So at least that means they still have the content, right? And I'm hoping that other networks do too, because it would. It's just. It's so much content, and they've spent the money to acquire it. You know, whether it's testimony, whether it's. Uh, you know talk speaking to an expert about something to get their thoughts on a particular issue or whether it's you know witness testimony or photos or videos or scientific testing of something that's all stuff they spent time and money to create that all has value for us as researchers and I just cry thinking that a lot of that stuff over the years just gets dumped well on on a more fun topic uh, you know going fictional there are certainly going to be lots of alien related shows this year, as there always are. And one of those is on sci fi called Resident Alien, um, about an alien who crashes to Earth and hides out in a remote Colorado mountain town. Have uh, any of you guys checked this show out?
1: No, I didn't even know it was out yet. I know Alejandro Rojas just interviewed the cast, I think over yeah. at Den of Geeks. So, um that should be Yeah, wonderful. they were doing but like yeah, a, I think like
0: they did for your your CW show, um you know, they they get into like doing like UFO trivia and stuff like that. So, I think they were doing that. Yeah. Some like, you know, interesting stuff like that which I love. I love when they do the marketing pushes and and bring
1: mm-hmm.
0: UFO lore and and, you know, things like that into it. Because it all goes along that that public education route. Uh, You know, people have this casual interest and they're looking at it from this fictional standpoint, this fun standpoint, but they're using real information and kind of introducing the general public to that.
1: When we did our education press tour for that Roswell, New Mexico show on the CW, I showed up and I like said something like, okay, so back in 1947, and I can't tell you how many TV executives came up to me and were like whoa, it happened in 1947? I'm like, you just made a show called Roswell, New Mexico. You didn't even know the event happened in 1947. Yeah. So, yeah, there is a need for the oh, public wow. education, for sure. Yeah, it's kind of wow. sad how ignorant they actually are on yeah. the things they're putting out there. So, yeah, let's school them as much as we can.
2: I just uh, realized how how crazy the number 47 has become for me in my life. Um, all those UFO events happened in 1947, uh Roswell and uh Kenneth Arnold's Mount Rainier sighting. I work for a company with 47 in the title. I live at an apartment that includes the number 47. Uh the <laughs> building, not my apartment number. Um and so it's many an other things. It you. just if I, we're on the 47th <laughs> degree parallel here in Seattle. Uh, it's always mm, forty-seven there's... degrees every time I check the, <laughs> the weather report. <laughs> uh, but there's
1: yeah. forty-seven it... books on your bookshelf too. I can probably well. There's a different
2: there's a different bookshelf with all the goodies on it, the fun books, the UFO <laughs> books. But um, yeah. Anyways, this this show has the premise that it sounds like a lot of these fictional UFO shows have that are meant to be on a more casual basis. Is this supposed to be a comedy or is this... Mm, yes. It, yes, it is, right? Yeah, what was yeah. The, the one that came out a year or two ago? Is it UFO People? What was it called? Uh, Ryan, I know oh. you were a big oh. fan of it. Yeah. People of Earth? What was that called?
3: People, People of Earth. Earth. On, so that was essentially TNT. the same thing.
2: It was an alien family trying to hide in, a, in suburbs, right? There
1: were... Yeah, oh. so like... It no. was about abductees, like a support group of
2: abductees. Oh, that's right. Um, okay, yes. what am I thinking? There were,
1: there were aliens like, in UFO the town show? and stuff. Yeah, yeah you're
2: okay. Right. There, there, <laughs> there was a comedy sitcom that came out like within the last couple of years that was an alien family pretending to be human oh, in a small I mean. town. Hmm. Oh, I
1: don't remember. Well, I mean, in, that is the premise. You're, of you're the, not thinking the Roswell, of the New Mexico show,
2: Right.
3: Yeah, Roswell, New Mexico. That was, that, that was, that was actually Roswell. pretty good. It Come lasted like three seasons.
2: <laughs> yeah. No this this was like a that like was like in, a
3: twenty something. That was CW. <laughs> yeah. This you
2: was know, a one and done like NBC or something. It got canceled oh, gotcha. like before it even started airing, I think. But <laughs> yeah, a they lot of that material. I hopefully they'll canceled. they'll make it good. <laughs> Hey, Alan yeah. Tudyk is awesome. So I'm yeah, excited yeah, totally. to see what, yeah, how he, yeah, he handles very cool. this material. Yeah, what what, cha- what network is this on? Sci-fi, sci-fi,
0: which sci-fi, I didn't yeah. know they were still mm-hmm. making
1: like original shows anymore. Um, oh, that's I have Mostly heard, what they like.
0: do, they are the kings of original content.
2: Oh, yeah, well, you're going like to get like into like sharknado. shark versus sharknado. Yeah. shark versus <laughs> octopus and yes, <laughs> yeah, all, yeah, of those. Yeah. all of those,
0: all of those.
3: I love when yeah. they do the marathon They'll probably have a digital G- digital channel.
1: Yeah. I think this one's based on a um a graphic novel. Am I correct, correct. in that? Is I believe that's yeah. correct.
0: Yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I
1: always like to see those adaptations. So, um Yeah, it looks good. The the um what do you call it? The practical effects they have on uh Tudix like alien uh is really good. I I I thought they did a fantastic job it's almost got like um a vaporwave feel to like his reptilian skin and whatnot um hmm. yeah yeah Ooh. so I look forward I'm looking forward to it I'm
0: going to check it out for
2: sure so is it actually premiering tonight or has it already aired cuz I'm could very well be premiering tonight on TV soon that's and then it says coming. oh wait that's episode 4 sorry episode 1 so it's it's already played four episodes. It looks like okay. What? Oh wow.
3: Mm. Well, I have no. Have I thought it other. was coming out like on the twenty eighth or something. Okay. I'm well, really I'm looking at a on very, very
2: confusing time uh, <laughs> chart here, where some is saying that it premieres on the twenty seventh, episode one, season one. Yeah, that's But what then I heard. it shows tonight at eleven thirty five p.m. on Sci Fi, season one, episode four. I'm confused. Oh. Hm.
0: It says on sci-fi's website Pilot. the season yeah. premiere is January twenty-seventh.
2: All right. So it premieres this Wednesday and we can all tune in. I'm gonna send this to you guys on our, our Facebook chat because I'm not crazy.
0: you. <laughs> <laughs> no, ah, we know you're not crazy. Well, you know, I, I get excited about, you know, fiction and nonfiction shows alike. The nonfiction shows certainly are, are more exciting, but you know, you gotta have fun too. And I I love what people are dealing with the the fictional stuff these days. So check that out, too. Um, but, yeah, I think that's it, guys. I, I think we, we mumbled and, and uh, BSed our <laughs> way through, through this episode um, without getting drunk, which is always good for a happy hour show. <laughs> it was a very uh, sober happy
2: hour. Very yeah.
0: sober happy Yeah. Hour. <laughs> I was drinking My apple guys. cider. <laughs> you can put things in apple cider, I'll tell you.
2: I did not <laughs> yes you did <can. laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm doing dry January so I
0: alright good for you I'm
2: a teetotaler at the moment
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> well citizens that's going to do it for this, this episode you can find more episodes of Unknown on all the major podcast platforms and you can always find this show and our other shows at RoguePlanet.tv because Unknown is a Rogue Planet production RoguePlanet.tv is your home for all the strange thanks again for hanging out with us today I'm Jason McClellan
2: I'm Maureen Elsberry I'm Ryan Sprague
0: And I'm Shane Hurd. Do us a favor, friends. Always treat the UFO subject with the cautious and responsible skepticism it deserves. Question everything. Have the courage to form your own opinions. Keep truth as the focus of your quest, even if the truth conflicts with your opinions. And, of course, stay strange.